and welcome to Breaking the Curtain with me, Chrissy, and me, Joss. Don't forget to silence all phones. Or don't, it's a podcast. And most importantly, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Breaking the Curtain. We have an exciting but kind of different episode for you all today, and we really hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. During our spooky season, we were reached out to by Paul Salsini and his wonderful team at Bancroft Press about featuring a new theater book on the podcast, which... Being avid readers as well as theater geeks, we jumped at the chance. They were even kind enough to send an advanced copy of the book, which we cannot wait to tell you all about. Paul Salsini was a reporter, editor, and staff development director for the Milwaukee Journal for 37 years and a correspondent for the New York Times for 15. He also taught journalism courses and a musical theater history course at Marquette University. In 1994, he founded the Sondheim Review, a magazine devoted to the work of the composer lyricist and was its editor for 10 years. Sondheim and Me, Revealing a Musical Genius is a memoir chronicling the relationship between American musical composer and lyricist Stephen Sondheim and journalist Paul Salsini during the latter's time as the founder and editor of the Sondheim Review. The magazine was begun in 1994, and Salsini shares his unique experiences interviewing, corresponding with, and speaking on the phone with the legendary genius through the entire next decade. Sondheim and Me also looks into Sondheim's early work, shares personal letters and interview excerpts, and collects Sondheim's own special insights into his work, often as a reaction to pieces appearing in the Sondheim Review. Salsini describes Sondheim's working approach in revealing detail while emphasizing his success in raising the standards of musical theater with innovative, influential, and sometimes provocative new shows. The book also contains extensive detailed chronology of Sondheim's life, his works, and the many tributes he received. Dozens of photos of Sondheim productions, along with many TSR covers and the notes Sondheim wrote, a Sondheim scrapbook enhanced this illuminating and groundbreaking work. And not only were we lucky enough to be sent an advanced copy of this wonderful book and piece of theater history, we had a chance to speak with Paul Salsini himself about his exciting book, and I will let the interview speak for itself, but it was so much fun talking with someone who is not only a fan of Sondheim, but a historian um, and kind of an expert on the subject. So without any further ado, here is our interview with Paul Salsini. Hi, I'm glad to be on this program and talk about my book a little bit about me i'm a journalist and i worked for a paper in milwaukee for 37 years Uh, but i've also had a great interest in musical theater and i went to a lot of shows and just enjoyed it enjoyed it Uh, but i was sort of blown away by seeing a production of follies by stephen sondheim and that Uh, started my interest in Stephen Sondheim and the book that we're about to talk about. All right, fabulous. So Sondheim and Me, it kind of reflects on your time uh, working as uh, the founder and editor of the Sondheim Review. Do you want to tell everybody a little bit about what inspired you to start that magazine? Sure. Uh, I I had a great collection of material because I had gotten so interested in Sondheim. I was so captivated by his works. It was always about his works. Uh, as I said, I, I saw Follies, and then I went back and saw Company. And uh, during the 1970s, I saw every other 
production that he wrote, which would be a little night music and uh, uh, Pacific Overtures and Sweeney Todd. Went to New York to see them. Sometimes I saw them more than once. But I also collected a lot of material, books and tapes and articles and magazines. And I had uh, great files of, of material about him, about his works. And I thought maybe I would write a book. As I said, I'm a journalist. And I thought, well, nobody has really written a book about his sometimes works at that point. There's been, certainly been a lot since. So I thought about that, but then I realized that I didn't have the time or the resources. Uh, I was working full time. I had a family and I just could not do a book. So uh, at one point, I thought uh, I had seen a newsletter from the Kurt Weill Foundation. Uh, I'm very fascinated with Kurt Files works as well. Mm -hmm. And they produce still a newsletter twice a year that does reviews and interviews and uh, essays about his works. And I thought, why should a dead composer have a newsletter and not the greatest composer lyricist around have something? So at first I thought of a newsletter as well. And then as I thought more about it. I thought, well, I think I'll write Hast. I'll find found a magazine. I can't believe I did this. I did that. I had such shutspa that I could be able to actually put a magazine together. But I did, uh, and I rounded up staff and a business manager and a designer and and a printer. And here we started. This was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and um, we I started the idea in January of 94, and our first issue was in June 1994. Wow, that's amazing. And here we are today. So a book was always kind of in your um, field of vision. You did end up going the magazine route first, but here you are now. I have, your, I have my coffee here with all the little tabbies. Um, so what led you to creating this book and its release this year? Well, when I wrote the book after Sondheim died, uh, I hadn't been connected with the Sondheim Review for a while. I was, I, well, after founding it, uh, I was editor for 10 years and did a lot of work on it. But then after 10 years, I thought I really need to get a life. And um, so I gave it to an assistant, and he continued it until 2016 when it folded. But after Sondheim died, I went through all the material that I had collected and all the magazines that were published during my time. There were 40 of them. And all the notes and letters and faxes that he had sent me and the notes that I had taken about the phone calls that we had. And I thought, there's a book here. Uh, there, people would be interested in knowing uh, my relationship with Sondheim uh, in this capacity as uh, editor and source. And so uh, it really wasn't very hard to find a publisher. And I started writing, and um, so I, I finished it. And uh, it came out uh, officially on October 18th. And uh, we've been having a lot of fun 
uh, promoting the book and getting a lot of interest in it. And that includes you, of course. Yeah, of course. And it is such a wonderful book. There are so many tidbits that, you know, I think somebody who enjoys Sondheim's work wouldn't necessarily know about him or about the behind the scenes stuff that happens, uh, which is so awesome. You know, you had years and years of content to choose from uh, to create this. How did you choose kind of what went into the book and what didn't? Uh, that was a little uh, problematic. Um, fortunately, I had every, every piece of material that we published still in my files. So I did not have to recreate them. So when going through the magazines, I would find articles and essays and reviews and interviews that I thought would be interesting for the public to read. And so I made note of that. And then I went into my files and found the actual documents and edited them. But the uh, the better part of it, I think, are the actual notes from Sondheim himself, mm -hmm. because from the very beginning, he kept uh, track of what we were doing and would uh, write to me uh, almost after every issue, uh, always saying congratulations and keep up the good work and things like that, but still finding little kind of things that I would not have known. And they weren't actually errors. They were just sort of clarifications of things that we had done. And that was fascinating. And I thought that would be especially interesting because it reveals the mind of a, of a genius. Mm -hmm. and how a genius uh, is so particular on getting things right and that and uh, for the for the future. and and uh, he realized, I think, uh, that the Sondheim Review was a magazine that would be used by scholars and as a source for future um, work uh, looking at his work. And that so he wanted everything to be exactly right. And that's the kind of man he was. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Stephen Sondheim? I know that a lot of it is covered in the book, so you don't need to give too much away. But was there anything you were surprised to kind of learn about him in this relationship that you had together while you were working on the magazine? I think I was surprised, at, uh, as I said, about how particular he was. But also, I was uh, interested in how excited he was about uh, a work that he was doing throughout the 10 years that I was uh, editor. And that was a work that started off as being called Wise Guys and then ended up being called Roadshow. And it had several different names along the way and several different uh, forms along the way. And when we would talk on the phone, he would become so excited about this work that he was doing and how he and John Weidman who was writing the book, uh, were changing it, uh, they hoped for the better, because it was getting not very nice reviews. Uh, it started off as a workshop, and then finally had a production in Chicago, it was called Bounce then, and uh, didn't get good reviews. And so they were working on it and working on it and changing the songs and changing the focus. And it became uh, pretty much a different show at the end than they started out 
doing at the beginning. And when I, uh, when we talked on the phone, Sondheim would get so excited that it reminded me a lot of George in um, Sunday in the Park with George. Mm -hmm. That and the, the key song in that show, of course, is Finishing the Hat and how an artist has become so involved in what he's doing uh, that he uh, ignores all all everything that's happening all around him, including his mistress, who's pregnant. And uh, it's just that he has to finish painting the hat that he is doing in, in his work. And that was sort of like what Sondheim was doing. Uh, he was so involved in finishing this show and was so excited about doing it. And that, I think, uh, impressed me so much. And I wanted the readers to understand that this is how uh, an artist works. Mm -hmm. And what wonderful insight that you give. I think whenever you hear about someone who is at the level of genius that Stephen Sondheim is, you know, as people who listen to and love his work, you go, you know, who is he? How does he work? How does he create such uh, wonderful and profound things? And that's something I really, really loved about your book is that you see him as somebody who is, you know, a perfectionist and wants to get everything right and is so heavily involved in the work. And I think that's just really wonderful because, you know, it's not like, you know, what he does, it's not easy, but he makes it look very easy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As one of his said, one of his songs in Sunday in the Park is, is art isn't easy. And uh, and that that's really what he was doing, what he was uh, living at during the during the writing of this show and all of his shows. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I always thought that, you know, there were a lot of parallels in his work in Sunday and the stuff that he wrote for George and to himself as an artist I always kind of wondered that so it's really kind of cool to hear you talk about it that way and make that connection as well yes uh -huh. let's take a look here so you have devoted so many years of of your life to kind of you know chronic chronicalizing and memorializing um Sondheim's work what is it that really kind of sticks out to you about his work specifically uh, there, are, he, every work, every one of his shows is different from another, uh, so it's hard to find a theme uh, through running through all of them. But I think uh, in all of them, there is a voice that says, uh, "Look at this show and consider yourself. Uh, look at look at the layers of this show and see." The, how you can relate to this because there are so there's so much compassion in the, each of the shows. There's so much joy in each of the shows, even though that may not be particularly evident in something like Sweeney Todd. <laughs> but um, there, there's so much humor in in the shows, and but more more important, I think is that there's something in each of the shows where, that we can learn from. We can learn about uh, relationships, especially. I think that all of the shows are about relationships between uh, mother and child, man and woman, uh, and uh, everybody, every, and sometimes they don't work, 
and sometimes they do and it but it always takes work for them to have a relationship mm-hmm. and that's that's the underlying theme i think of all of sondheim shows yeah you're right and he's so very human in how he expresses everything it's there's something for everyone in a sondheim show yes yeah yeah you sometimes have to see it more than once like uh you know i've seen Follies like about 12 times, and I find something different new every time. I've seen company so many times and night music. Uh, so every time I see a new a show, a Sondheim show, even though I've seen it before, I can learn something from it and appreciate mm-hmm. something from it. Some line, for example, in a song that I that had escaped me uh earlier, I would suddenly say, Oh. That's what that means. That's what that's that's what that's supposed to say, and it, it's so it's so revealing of him as an artist. I think it's really beautiful because you know not only are you seeing the you're seeing the same show, but you're seeing a different production, a different lens on it. Um, you know, this summer I actually saw a very neat immersive production of Sweeney Todd, and it totally changed the way that I looked at the show and how I enjoyed it. And I just discovered so many new things in it. And I think that's something that makes his work so time, like timeless is that there's always another layer to kind of uncover to it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What do you think about all the different kind of revivals of Sondheim shows that have been happening over the past year? We've got into the woods, there's company, there's was assassins. Sweeney Todd is coming back to Broadway. We had the new West Side Story movie. Um, as somebody who has been a long time um, both fan and observer of Sondheim's work, uh, what do you think about all these uh, bringing him into kind of the new decade? I think finding new audiences is really the important thing. And um, oh, there's one more show that you didn't mention, and that's Merrily We Roll Along, which is going to be off. You are right, with Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. Off Broadway starting the end of this month in previews, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't know whether it'll move to Broadway because of the commitment of, of the stars. But um, it would be great if it did. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yes, there has been sort of a um, Sondheim uh, revival sort of thing in the last few years, and appreciation. I think that shows the, the interest in in his work. I think it shows that um, people are still discovering his work, especially, you know, the, the reaction, especially of Enter the Woods, which started off as a sort of uh, concert version mm-hmm. and then moved to Broadway as a, it's still a, a, a spirit, spirit, Barstown uh, version, but still uh, um, the complete and not, not changed version mm-hmm. of Enter the Woods. Uh, there's so much in Into the Woods that I think uh, audiences are discovering. I think many uh, people think, well, it's a nice family show and we can take our kids and, mm-hmm. and they can. Uh, but on, when you look at the second act, it, it's, it says so much more about relationships and, and how things can go wrong. Well, we go down a different path sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we'd have to learn from that and learn from our mistakes. And uh, so it can't be just, you know, a Disney-like Into the Woods, 
it's, it's, it's really enter the woods and what do you find when you're there, mm-hmm. which is not always what you're looking for. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, uh, Sweeney Todd, I think, will be a, a big uh, success. And certainly Merrily will be, company certainly was even, mm-hmm. with, or maybe because of the gender change. Uh, and uh, it, it, there's been so many. I don't, well, this is a whole different subject, but I don't know how long this will be, will last since he is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. And that worries me. Yeah. But I think, you know, when you look at on social media, when I see people talking about company into the woods, um, into the woods, especially and company, it's a lot of younger people. It's he is reaching kind of a whole new um, generation just with how these revivals have been timed. And so I genuinely think that his work is going to keep cycling through from generation to generation. And it's super duper cool um, just to scroll through and see, you know, what people are talking about. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's one thing for a show to be revived and, and sometimes to be there mm-hmm. in the audience and, and getting that attention and focusing on the creator. But now that the creator is no longer with us, it's going to be the show itself that has to stand up on its own. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll have to see how, how well that happens. You're right. You're right. Well, my fingers are crossed that they stick around for a long, long time. Okay, good. I hope so. <laughs> my last question for you is, uh, we have a lot of, I like to call them our theater babies on the podcast. They're young people who are getting into theater in so many different ways and are kind of starting to see if that's a path that they want to take on their life. Do you have any advice for aspiring theater journalists or historians? Well, let's see. Uh, there's some, certainly some good books to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with Sondheim's himself, the two books that he wrote about lyric writing, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, certainly reading his uh, his biography by Meryl Sechrist and and other books. Um, but more important, I think, is to listen to his listen to his work. If you can't see a production. At least uh, get the CD or the, the tape or however you want to listen to his his uh, scores and uh, really uh, listen to them. Listen to the songs over and over. So listen to, for example, Losing My Mind from Fall. Mm. I mean, if you just listen to that five times, you'll see, you'll get five different impressions of of uh, a woman who has, uh, who is um, so in, uh, involved with her her passion for uh, an unrequited love, and so there's so much to learn from Sondheim songs, um, and that's just the lyrics. I mean, if, if you're going to be going to study music, you should also study uh, the way he uses chords and movement and uh, and rhythm and how uh the the lyrics were and music work together so that that's that's certainly available without 
much trouble as to find mm-hmm. his book and, and listen and listen over and over. Yeah, and it's wonderful. I know that PBS did those professional kind of filmings of both Into the Woods and Sunday in the Park with George. And those are available, I think, on YouTube in full. I remember one very late night in college, my roommate and I stayed up and we watched them back to back. And we just went through and we just enjoyed them. And, you know, it's so beautiful that they're captured and that, you know, Anybody who might be curious about the show can find them and experience yeah. it. Right. I think Passion is also, I don't know if Passion's on YouTube, but I think it's available and and uh, company and a concert version is available. Mm-hmm. Sweetie Todd is available. Yeah. So uh, many of his works are, are readily available, if not on YouTube, then on DVD or some other uh, device that mm-hmm. uh, you can watch them. Yeah. I know that you mentioned at the beginning that Fall Leaves is the show that kind of started it all for you uh, in this path you've taken uh, with Stephen Sondheim. But do you have a favorite of his works? Oh, sure. Fall Leaves. (laughs) (laughs) It was was the work that introduced me really to uh, Sondheim's works. And uh, I still still love it. I know there are problems at the ending uh, on how it seems to be uh, unresolved. But um, the 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 whole show has so many layers uh, of of relationships, and I mean it, it can be looked at as as you know an old uh, Ziegfeld Follies kind of show of r- routines of of the stars, but it's much more than that. It's a story of uh, doomed relationships and and. Uh, and how we treat one one another, and and how we have there's so much to learn in from follies, and mm-hmm. I I just love it. I could see, I haven't seen it for a couple of years now. I'd love to see a live production again. Hopefully, they bring that one back next in their kind of revivals they're cycling through. <laughs> <laughs> it may be, but it's a really big show, and it's very hard to do. I don't I don't I don't think so. Maybe not. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time today, Paul, to chat about your book. And this has just been so much fun for me to speak with you about this. So thank you so much for your time. Sure. Um, I'd I'd just like to mention one thing about the book. Um, The book mainly consists of my uh, text, which is uh, my uh, relationship with Sondheim and excerpts from the Sondheim Review. But it also includes something that uh, surprised me. I have a very uh, imaginative publisher. And at one point when I was writing, I suggested that maybe we have 10 or 12 pages in the middle of the book with photos. And he said, no, no, we're going to have 64. And that indeed is what he did. We have a 64-page insert of uh, photos from the 10 years that I was editor, which includes a lot of uh, revival. There were five revivals during that time, and a lot of other show, a lot of other photographs. His notes, his actual notes that he sent to me, uh, color photos of the of our covers and posters and and other and drawings and a puzzle that he did. Um, there's also a 23 page chronology of Sondheim's life from mm. uh, beginning to his death. Uh, there's also, this surprised me especially, uh, 
a list of questions for book clubs. Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that at all, that he was going to do that, but that was good. So there, there's much more to the book than uh, than my my text, which I enjoy doing. And, mm -hmm. and so I think readers will will find a cornucopia of uh, material there that they can enjoy. Oh, absolutely. Your text is wonderful. The, like the photos are such an amazing like insight into uh, like it's a piece of theater history really is what you've created. You've documented yeah. it so wonderfully. And I think actually my favorite one of my favorite parts is the chronology where it takes you through. See, it's one of my little tabs here where you take us through his entire life because that yeah. is so, you know, helpful as Chrissy and I kind of do. We have a couple show history episodes kind of on Sondheim works coming up. You've kind of inspired us to do a little mini series on it. And we've definitely been using this <laughs> to kind of back that good. up. Good. It's a good resource. I think a really good resource for for anybody who's interested in Sondheim or even not, uh, you know, only has a casual interest. It's a good resource. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much. Sure.